Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, I'm Nicole Holliday, a linguistics professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And I'm Ben Zimmer, language columnist for The Wall Street Journal. And this is Spectacular Vernacular, a podcast where we not only explore language, we also play with it. This week, we'll be talking to John Linnell of They Might Be Giants about the results of his unusual pandemic project, writing songs in Latin. Yeah, that's right. Our guest coming up, John Linnell, uh, got interested in Latin because he took a Duolingo course. And I think a lot of us have dabbled in language learning, at least since the beginning of the pandemic. And Nicole, I think that includes you, right? Oh, yeah. I've been a Duolingo super fan over the last year or so. As of today, I have a streak of 426 days learning Italian. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I moved in with my Italian boyfriend, and I'm sure Duolingo saved him from having to answer all of my grammar questions every day. Ben, I gather you've also been pursuing your own wordy interests as of late? Yeah, that's right. I I haven't done much language learning, but I've been exploring some other languagey pursuits. I've always been a fan of word puzzles. In fact, I recently attended the National Puzzlers League convention in Washington, D.C. But since last year, I've gotten even more serious about playing with words. Uh, I've been constructing crosswords for the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. I've been connecting with the whole wordplay community in lots of virtual spaces And we're going to talk more about all of that at the end of the show when we delve into some word puzzles that I have lined up for you, Nicole. And you were also recently down in sunny Orlando for the Scripps National Spelling Bee, right? That's right. The finals were down in Orlando this year. And let me tell you, it was word nerd heaven. Uh, I was there because I've been working with Scripps on a new feature of the Spelling Bee, questions about word meaning, not just spelling. So if you tuned into ESPN2 for the finals, you might have caught a round of questions where the kids were asked multiple choice questions about the definitions of words. And the finalists, they did a great job with those questions, including this year's winner, the delightful Zaila Avant-Garde, an eighth grader from Harvey, Louisiana. Maria, M-U-R-R-A-Y-A. That is correct. (laughs) Wow, she's amazing. (laughs) That is a difficult word. (laughs) Zayla is the first African-American winner of the script's spelling bee in its 96-year history, though it's worth noting that the first black winner was Jodi Ann Maxwell from Jamaica, who won the script's bee in 1998. 
Historically, black kids have faced a lot of obstacles in participating in the B from institutionalized racism at the local level to disadvantages like having fewer resources generally to help train for spelling bees. That makes Zaila's win even more profound. And now she's a role model for more kids who might follow in her footsteps. I want to grow up to be like her, honestly. (laughs) Zaila's been killing it on the talk show since she won, showing off not just her spelling prowess, but her basketball dribbling skills. You have three challenges ahead of you. Okay, the first challenge is dribble three balls simultaneously while spelling the word Machiavellian. All right, Machiavellian. And it's amazing that she was able to spell and dribble all those basketballs. She also is a, uh, she has some records, some world records for basketball as well. I can't do either (laughs) of those things. (laughs) Definitely can't spell Machiavelli. Her her brain is incredible, and and just her prowess and all of these things where she can just multitask. Sure, dribble three, four, five basketballs and spell ridiculously difficult words. I mean, the whole thing is amazing, and she kind of takes it all to the next level. But if we like step back and think about it, spelling bees are it's kind of a strange institution, right? Yeah, I was talking to a friend recently um, about the spelling bee, and she was like, wait, they don't have those in other countries? And I was like, no, it's just because English is weird, right? So English has basically words from a lot of different languages, and so this is why the kids always ask for the etymology of the words, because it helps them, oh, it's Latinate, so that it's going to be spelled this way or that way. But it's something very particular about English that we have to memorize the spelling, right, of every single thing. So it's a, it's a very weird skill um, that English speakers are expected to have that doesn't happen necessarily for other speakers of other languages. Yeah, it's it's a really fascinating topic. And um, in fact, we're going to get to explore that topic even more in our next episode, where we're going to dive a little deeper into the spelling bee and Zaila's amazing win. So stay tuned for that. I can't wait to talk more about spelling bees next time. But for today, we have a really awesome guest. We'll be right back with John Linnell. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Over the past year and a half, many people have embarked on unusual pandemic projects, trying out new pursuits they might not have had time for before life went on lockdown. A lot of folks took the opportunity to try learning a new language or two. Different apps like Duolingo and Babbel have made it easy to expand your linguistic frontiers. And that's what happened with John Linnell, one half of the legendary alternative rock band They Might Be Giants. Uh, Linnell completed a short Duolingo course in Latin. Then he got the crazy idea to try writing some songs in the language, even though Latin isn't exactly a hot linguistic commodity these days. Well, at least outside the Vatican City. With the help of a childhood friend who is well-versed in Latin, 
Linnell wrote four songs that he has now released on an EP called Roman Songs. It's certainly a lyrical change of pace from the songs that he and John Flansburg have been writing as They Might Be Giants for nearly four decades now. But Linnell didn't just make a bunch of Gregorian chants. With his son Henry backing him up on guitar, these songs rock. John Linnell, welcome to Spectacular Vernacular, or perhaps I should say Salve or Salve in your traditional pronunciation. I would go for Salve. I'm kind of digging the classical over the ecclesiastical, but you know, I'm not a... I, I'm not a hardliner. Like you, I've been uh, in Duolingo land. I'm working on Italian, and I just learned salve in modern Italian last week. It's still a formal greeting, but of course you have to say it with the V. (laughs) Those Italians are stubborn, man. They they stick with the same idea. Can you tell us a little bit about how this project got started and and what made you want to start learning Latin? It's really hard to uh, defend. And I think the easiest way for me to talk about it is just to say, like, I was just enjoying something that had no practical application at first. I mean, it seemed to me that I was just doing it completely for fun, and uh, I wasn't planning (laughs) on turning this into a a work project. I like doing a lot of things that are useless. Uh, I I take pleasure in in pointless activities. Well, I I don't know if you'd call them pointless, but I I just like the weird sense of exploring uh, unknown territory and in particular, when when you're uh, learning a language, you stumble across interesting, weird things that um, are often surprising and entertaining, and that's really all there is to it. Um, as far as learning Latin, like I didn't have anybody obviously to chat with in Latin. I still don't, but eventually I came around to the idea that I could maybe apply this to some creative activity and. Um, so, you know, I just, I just Latin seemed like a great option for me for writing songs. What was the next step? I mean, how did you take this rudimentary Latin and say, okay, I'm going to try to make songs, and I guess you got a little help from your, uh, from your childhood friend with that? I think very briefly, I imagined that I could write the Latin lyrics myself. And um, I think that... that main issue with the with the in particular with the Duolingo course is that the vocabulary is really specific and really random seeming and it's I think it's because you're really just learning about Latin grammar and they're not trying to teach you to read Horace or anything like that so they're they're the focus of the exercises very often about uh, specifically about a drunk parrot and about throwing fish. By the end of the course, you've sort of mastered talking about this drunk parrot and about uh, about throwing fish and, and not too much else. Tell us exactly how you were able to, with the help of your friend, get from your, your basic Latin knowledge into full-fledged songs. Right. So once I'd figured out that I couldn't really write a satisfactory lyric on my own, I started casting around for uh, somebody to translate lyrics. And I went online and and I actually communicated with some people 
through various Latin educational uh, websites. And the general vibe was you need a particular person who's, who's good at conversational Latin. And most of these people have another specialty. They're, they're more about uh, learning to read the classics or whatever. And then I just had this I just had this memory that I had a childhood friend who was not only uh, had spent his entire adult life teaching Latin, but um, was a rock musician. So I, I managed to track him down. I haven't been in touch with him for decades, uh, but I, I, I found him and he was immediately agreeable to this completely nutso idea. And then I just plunged into writing lyrics that in English that I thought that were simple enough that they would translate well, based on what I understood about Latin grammar, that they were translatable, right? So that was that was the idea. And he incredibly generous in that he gave me not only gave me translations, but gave me variations on translations and kind of explained the differences. And he also sent me audio guides for so he sent me his own voice reading the latin text so that i could um follow his pronunciation this is an interesting moment to be doing anything with language i guess but is there something about the latin language that lends itself to the kind of songwriting that you wanted to do during the <laughs> pandemic because we we heard this clip before from i'm, I'm so sorry my latin is atrocious we heard the clip from hayek Estres, mm-hmm. and there's some pandemic lyrics in there. So um, can you tell us about that a little bit and, and sort of your relationship between the pandemic writing and the Latin? Right. Well, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, that, that actually is sort of specifically a pandemic vibe, that song. It's kind of about being paranoid about what's outside your front door. Yeah, it was written in that, during that period uh, last spring a year ago when everything in New York was like utterly terrifying and there was a, just a, uh, this sense of um, catastrophic situation. And um, so, yeah, obviously that, inf- that informed that particular one. You know, I tried to mix it up. The other songs are not as, um, not as topical, I guess. So, yeah, I was trying to, trying to write, kind of trying to write a range of songs and very much just experimenting. I didn't, I didn't really have a plan when I started out. Well, I was interested in, uh, in another song, Tecum Kilcum Ambulare Nolo, which translates as I don't want to walk around with you. And that, of course, is a line familiar to fans of the Ramones, because there's a song on their first album called I Don't Want to Walk Around With You. What inspired you to write that? I mean, I, with the Ramones in Latin, it got me thinking about like what happens if you could transport the Ramones back to ancient Rome, and it kind of reminded me of one of my favorite "They Might Be Giants" songs, the Mesopotamians, where you've got you know the band uh, traveling around ancient Mesopotamia. So, what was the thinking behind doing you know Ramones lyrics in Latin? Yeah, well, I should I should like say there's probably not too much forethought going on with a lot of these things. I, I'm pretty intuitive in, in the way that I, I start off coming up with an idea. But this was obviously a direct translation of a Ramones lyric into Latin. This is thinking about it after the fact, is that there's a thing that appeals to me from the very 
small amount of Latin poetry that I've ever looked at, uh, which is this notion of the, the sort of epigram, like the concise idea that doesn't have to be very elaborate. And I think that Ramones, a lot of their lyrics have that precise quality that, that they're just saying a really simple thing. The song has only two lines. It's saying a lot in just two lines. Uh, and this is something that, you know, Marshall or one of those guys uh, were particularly interested in as well. Like the, the sort of just pithy little statement that carries all this um, weight or, or carries all this meaning in, in just a few words. So as a longtime fan of They Might Be Giants, I think back to your, you know, your songwriting partnership with John Flansburg and this latest effort got me thinking about other times that you seem to have set yourself a kind of linguistic challenge or maybe put yourself into a kind of linguistic box that might have helped to encourage creativity. So going all the way back to a song like I Palindrome I, which, uh, you know, has some palindromic lyrics uh, spelling the same forwards and backwards or, you know, letter by letter or word by word. Uh, another one that comes to mind is uh, Contra Coup from the uh, 2007 album The Else, which actually originated uh, in a request by lexicographer and friend of the show Aaron McKean uh, to write a song which could help revive a few words that had lapsed into obscurity, like Contra Coup. So do you, do you think of this latest effort, writing songs in Latin, as a new way of constraining yourself linguistically as, a, as a, a way to encourage the creative process? I think that the impression that you immediately get from this is like uh, extreme nerdy like obsessions. I kind of wish that somehow wasn't the, the first impression that you get from this, because I do think doing creative work is very much um, about creating uh, boundaries and restrictions and then trying to work within them. So it doesn't have to be as nerdy as I'm making it, probably. But this is a good way for me to get into it, I guess. I mean, I like the idea that you just you just set some rules for yourself and they could be arbitrary, and then you have to try and figure your way out of this this problem. That's fun, you know. That's my idea of a good time. So do you have any plans for more songs in Latin or are you going to move on to other dead languages? So, you know, are we going to get Old Norse or Etruscan <laughs> album? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I never say never, but I, I feel like I, I did this project and I'm going to get back to working with John Flansburg on more They Might Be Giants material. So this thing, I think, will be... Um, set aside. And I don't know if it's going to inspire me to come back to it, but I, I never know what's going to happen next. I will say I'm, I'm going to continue um, goofing around trying to learn languages because that is something I, you know, I got into actually a long time ago. And I, it's a kind of weird, rarefied pleasure to just find out about culture through language, I guess, is part of it, right? That's one of the reasons for studying languages, you you learn all this stuff about people and cultures that you didn't know before, and it just makes your brain expand in a, in a fun, cool way. Well, that's a great place to leave things. So, John Linnell, thank you so much, or should I say, gratias maximas. 
yeah, I wish my command of Latin was enough to uh, to give you an, a more uh, uh, you know appropriate response in Latin, but I'd have to like have to fumble through the dictionary for a while to, to work out what to say back to you. Well, thanks so much for coming on, on with us, and you can download the Roman Songs EP by going to tmbgshop.com, and you can find a link for that in our show notes. And after the break, it's time for some wordplay. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome back. In this final segment, we're going to be playing with language. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we want to end each show with a little bit of wordplay, and we're going to try out some puzzling things about language. For future episodes, we would love to have listeners join in the fun. So if you are interested, please contact us at spectacular at slate.com, and we may get in touch with you. Uh, but for now, I'm going to be trying to stump Nicole with a, a little quiz and Nicole, I understand you you have some experience in quizzing circles. You could say that. I don't want to brag, but Go I've ahead, been brag. on you know <laughs> I've been on the chase and who wants to be a millionaire. And I'm also a question writer for the pub quiz company Geeks Who Drink. I've been doing trivia stuff since I was a kid. But unlike you, I have not been puzzling since my youth, so I have to admit I'm a little nervous. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, I, I do love word puzzles and wordplay. And uh, lately, I've actually been involved in a new venture called Beyond Wordplay, where we explore how uh, language can intersect with technology and art and pop culture in all sorts of fun ways. And at this year's American Crossword Puzzle Tournament, which was held online, uh, the Beyond Wordplay crew actually hosted a virtual game room. And Nicole, I thought I would share with you some of the word puzzles we presented at that game room. What do you think? All right. I guess I'm game. <laughs> okay, great. Well, first, let me explain that the theme of this game room that we had at the American Crossword Puzzle Tournament was super vocalics. What is a super vocalic? Well, it's a word or phrase that has all the vowel letters. So that's A, E, I, O, U, and sometimes Y, once and only once. So the challenge for you, Nicole, you're going to have to figure out answers that are super vocalic based on crossword style clues that are themselves super vocalic. So let me just like give you vowel, an example. Vowel inception. <laughs> <laughs> it's very meta. Yeah. Okay. So if I asked you to come up with a nine letter word that means half serious, you can rack your brains and think about that one. But I can also give you a hint for this one. You might notice that half serious has the vowel letters A, E, I, O, U, all in alphabetical order. So the answer also is like that. Can you think of a nine-letter word that means half serious that also has those vowel letters all in alphabetical order? 
half serious. My first thought was like sarcastic, but that doesn't work. Too many A's. It helps perhaps to have an O-U-S at the end of this word. Oh. Half serious. Oh my goodness. I'm not going to be good at this. (laughs) What is it? (laughs) If you're less than serious, you might be facetious. Facetious. There you go. That's a good one. Right. Okay, so uh, let's try another one. And this time, uh, we're going to put some time on the clock. We're going to try and see if you can get this in 30 seconds. And listeners, see if you can get it in 30 seconds. We're looking for an eight-letter word that is super vocalic and means absolute bliss. Let's start the clock. Absolute bliss. Okay, so... My first thought was something like paradise, but that doesn't have all the vowels. Absolutely. The vowels can be in any order. And in fact, this one has a couple of vowels at the beginning, a couple of vowels at the end, if that helps. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I thought they had to be in order. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. Oh, I think I know it. Is it euphoria? Euphoria is correct. Well done. You figured it out. All right. See, that wasn't so bad, was it? Well, at least I'm not going to, you know, walk away with zero. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing great. Let's try another one and see how you do with this one. This time we're looking for an 11-letter word. And this one means going past purple. Going past purple is your clue. Let's put 30 seconds on the clock. Okay. Past purple. What is purple? A synonym for purple. Um, That's a good start. Oh, it's, um, hmm. These are really hard. 11, 11 letters, right? Yes, 11 letters. Okay. I think I might have an idea. Is it ultraviolet? Ultraviolet is the answer. Well done. Again, uh. you got it right. Going past purple has all the vowels, as does ultraviolet. Let's try just one more and see how you do. This time, we're going to go with a 12-letter word. Can you think of a 12-letter word with this clue? Dream-forming drug. Okay, let's put 30 seconds on the clock again. Dream-forming drug. I'm like, what are all of those weird sleep medicines called? <laughs> this is a this is a common, more common word, not a... Not no, a particular Not a drug. trademark. <laughs> More general. Um, hmm. 11 letters. This is actually 12 letters. We need a 12-letter word. Can you think of okay. it? Okay. I have the root. I don't know what the ending is going to be, I think. Is it hallucinogen? Yeah, you got it. That's right. Hallucinogen. Yes. <laughs> not hallucinogenic, because that would have an extra I. I don't have paper, right so one. I don't know how many yes. letters. <laughs> You're doing an, you did an amazing job with that all in your head. Very impressive work. Thank you, Nicole, for playing along with that. And if you would like to share your own super vocalic wordplay with us, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Again, our email address is spectacular at slate.com. And as we mentioned, you can also use that email address to let us know if you would like to take part in a future episode where we'll be bringing in listeners for some challenging wordplay. 
So that's it for this week. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll never miss an episode. And please consider subscribing to Slate Plus. I am a Slate Plus member. As am I. Slate Plus members. Yeah, like us. (laughs) Slate Plus members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast. Bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Big Mood Little Mood with Daniel M. Lavery. It's only $1 for the first month. To learn more, go to slate.com slash spectacular plus. Thank you so much to John Linnell for being our guest this week. Spectacular Vernacular is produced by Jasmine Ellis and Shana Roth. June Thomas is Slate Podcast's Senior Managing Producer, and Gabriel Roth is Slate Podcast's Editorial Director. We'll be back in two weeks with a closer look at the script's National Spelling Bee. Thanks for listening. 